So what do dance, leadership, and writing a book all have in common? Well, first, they all require motivation and inspiration, obviously, but they all require our energy and a really focused energy that we need to make sure that we take the time to let ourselves know that we are doing something that is not only important, but it's specific, and it takes a lot of our time. I'm so glad that I have a guest this week that can explain all these things, and she was a dancer, a leader, and an author. Let's start the show. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Relatively Normal Podcast. I am your host, Mark Paisant. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. I appreciate you. We have a really good show, great guests this week. But as always, before we get started, if you would like to become a paid subscriber, head over to that link in the show notes or go to anchor.fm, hit that money button and become a paid subscriber for as little as 99 cents a month. And I appreciate Anything, and if you want to listen for free, that's fine. I'm cool with that. As always, this show is brought to you by 6AM Run, 6AMRun.com. Head over to that website, get 20% off of your first order. So I know most of you are probably familiar with me having a little intro, then I do an ad break, and, and then I get into the show and the guests, but I'm going to jump right into it this week because I have a really good guest, and I want to shout out Podmatch because they've done a really good job of setting me up with some really great people. This week, I have Miss Avital Miller, and she is just a lot of things, and, and I want to just go through just a couple of them um, because I, I want her to kind of talk about the things that she does, but first and foremost, she is a best-selling author of the books Healing Happens and Practice inspires people to experience boundless energy, absolute happiness, and the true success in order to live their best life possible. There's so much more there. She's been a program manager at Microsoft, and we're going to talk about a lot of things, but Avital, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself for the audience? Thank you so much. It is so wonderful, wonderful to be here. I really love your authenticity and vulnerability and caring and honesty and perspective that you've put into your podcast. So it's just a huge honor to be a guest on your show as well. Well, I appreciate that. That was very kind of you. But this show is about you, not me. So kind of explain all the things that you're involved in and and kind of how you describe the work that you do. Oh gosh, how much time do we have? <laughs> I call myself a galactic experiences creator. And so you mentioned I was a program manager at Microsoft, and then I wrote this book called Healing Happens. Uh, there's a jump there. 
going from being an engineer to being involved with healing. And Microsoft is a great company, but how many of us at age 20, straight out of college, really know what we're doing for life? And I talk about this journey because it leads into what is everything that I'm doing today. Uh, But I started becoming a yoga teacher, a fitness director, a teacher trainer. I was known as the Energizer Bunny. And then I started to have health issues, even though I knew all this stuff about health. So I really had to take a deeper dive into understanding health and healing and interview all these different experts. And that's really where my book came about because I was running into stories of people healing from terminal diagnoses. And I was healing beyond what was expected. And that really led me to speaking around the world. And I kept getting invited to Denver to do speaking and had a great time every time I came here. So I decided to move to Denver and develop more community programs and uh, personal development programs and develop community from community. So I've continued doing speaking. I've continued authoring books, writing articles, my podcast, my blog, coaching people one-to-one using the the vast array of my background with yoga, meditation, neuro-linguistic programming, energy healing, business coaching. Um, And then it evolves because I allow people to be part of the creative process of what is happening. And so now I also host what I call these galactic experiences, which are these big charity events. And we are underway for a fantastic extravaganza to be happening this February called Valentine's Foray. Um, And then I'm traveling around at the same time to different corporations to bring in this diverse background of leadership and success strategies. So pretty busy right now. That sounds extremely busy. Thank you for making the time to, to talk to me today. Let me say that first and foremost. And let's just jump into, let's jump into, I mean, the first thing. So you're, you're all over the place. You're, you said you, you like Denver, kept coming back and decided to move there. You're, you're giving, you know, talks, you know, dealing with people all the time. Do you get to take time for yourself ever? Yes. <laughs> Uh, You know, it does help that I don't have kids, uh, that I don't have a partner, and, uh, you know, just I'm an entrepreneur. So um, I think that does make a difference because I can apply more of that time to work that other people might be applying to a partner or to family, um, which then means I can still take that time off for me. Um, I definitely go through periods where I don't get any of that. And sometimes it's fine and sometimes it's not. So I have to tune in to when I need that and make that happen and just trust it's okay to let the work go a little slower. So, and you mentioned that right out of college, you get a pretty good job at Microsoft. Um, We don't have to go into the details of the actual job itself, but kind of talk about that part of your your life. Were you the kind of like me, the person who got out of college and just had just a a mind full of success and wanted to go out there and, and, and just take over the world and do anything and everything at such a young age? I would say that I think I still have that mindset. Um but i i went about that from my background and i watched my dad's side of the family 
be very successful engineers. My, like his whole family were engineers. And my great uncle was the Dean of Engineering at University of Toronto. Uh, so I'm, I am like a American born and bred, but my dad um, is Canadian. And so he lived in Toronto. And so he was the vice, vice president of the main public transportation system in Toronto. And I got to go to the office and see his big office. And, you know, he was the head of this big building. Um, and so I'm just seeing their success in front of me. I was very good at math and science. And that was the other thing that psychology actually interested me more. Uh, and of course, dance. Um, but my mom sat down and talked with me and said, well, you're going to get better grades because she knew where my skill set lied. And you're going to have an easier time getting jobs and getting higher paid opportunities if you go into engineering instead of psychology. Made sense to me at that young age. I didn't know that I was a person that doesn't really work with ends justify the means, you know, that really has to follow my passion and full force in every single moment. And I had this idea that I was going to start my own company about 10 years down the road because I was entrepreneurial angled since I was five when I sold my drawings to the neighbors. Um, but I wanted to get the skills and the background and the experience from working for a business. Um, but when you're in such a big company as Microsoft, like my contribution level was so small I really wasn't going to get that full essence of how to start and run a business from where I was standing within that company. And I didn't feel like I was making a big enough contribution to the world from where I was standing uh, because there's so many layers, you know, until it really hits people that I felt like all I was doing was dotting I's and crossing T's on the internet. Um and, and so it, it wasn't, it wasn't enough to really tie me down and, and keep me there. And I had no idea I wouldn't go back into corporate world, but I was very, very depressed there. And I started just traveling around the world for a year because I had no clue what else to do with myself. And I started to see people very content, not having their life around a career. There's lots of fun stories from my travels. And that just started to open my mind up to say, hey, maybe there's another way that I can make this big impact on the world. Uh, and that's when I started to explore other opportunities. So before and before we get into those other opportunities, and I, I commend you for for not only you know, recognizing those feelings, but kind of following through with them, because you don't see enough of that um, a lot of times with with young people. But before we kind of get into you following through, kind of walk us through your your mindset, your mental health at that point in your career. Like you, of course, you know, you were young out of college and, and you're trying to do the in your head, you're trying to do the right thing. You're trying to do, you know, build the career, you know, make sure you're taken care of. But this thing is eating at you that's saying this might not be it. Like kind of walk us through mentally how you were back then. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of, a lot of layers. I don't talk about, you know, all, all of it that much um, because Microsoft is such, such a great company. Um, and th this feeds into what I'm doing today. But a lot of times 
people work their way up through management, not because they've had management training necessarily, but just because they've done a good job at the job that they had previously. Um, And I just was not responding well to the style of management that I was getting. Um, And that's why it's exciting for me to be going around to corporations today and sharing more leadership and management tools, uh, you know, so that that these managers can help people feel empowered. Um, But I was leaving work feeling disempowered. Um, So there there's, you know, sort of the the buildup of what I was brought up to be as one thing and that not feeling right, you know, like I just didn't know how to hit that direction because where I was sitting didn't feel right. And then, and then there's also just not having the best experience on a daily basis. And I was always top of the class. You know, I just, I worked hard in school and I got great grades. Um, I was the type that did have to work hard for the grades, uh, but I did. And I got everything done, you know, on time. And there were other skills that I also didn't have yet in terms of how to communicate with other people. So there's a a mix of all these things of me being young, me being new, and uh, they grade you on a bell curve. And so they have to find somebody to be low on the bell curve. So they put the new person low on the bell curve. Uh, so now, now we're looking at me having these, you know, really bad performance reviews, um, instead of just figuring out how to help me get the tools to grow into, you know, what they needed. Uh, and I was distraught. I didn't know how to handle that sense of feeling of failure and I'm just doing my best. I'm absolutely like working extra long hours to learn the materials. I remember this gentleman who I was dating, he came after hours one evening to help me learn one of the systems that I needed to learn. And he sat there and he stared at me and he said, you know, it doesn't look like you're actually that interested in doing this. Um, I will tell you what also happened was this was the time that the internet was just coming out and they didn't know yet how to make money off of the internet in order to sustain business. So I got hired on in the more creative user side of things. And then we ended up switching more towards the back end um, technological side of things, which even though I had an engineering degree, remember I wanted a psychology degree. So it was more exciting for me to serve people on the front end. And when that was taken away, I wasn't as excited about the role, uh, but sometimes you you're brought up to just go for the best goal, to do your best, and you don't think, oh, am I enjoying this or not? Do I like this? So it really took the reflection of somebody else looking at me and saying, oh, like you, uh, you know, don't look like you want to do this. And I went, oh, you're right, but I hadn't really taken that look. And I took a little bit of time off of work um, because my mental state also wasn't in the best place. My doctor actually gave me a leave of absence and I was looking at other job opportunities. I I just I didn't have the tools that I have today to know how to understand what I was going through or work through it. So the the best thing that happened was I decided I was going to go on a two week backpacking trip in Chile. And while I was there, I realized that I could learn a lot about people if I immerse myself in another culture for six months to a year. 
And I couldn't figure out what other job I wanted to do. And it was after 9-11. So the world was different in terms of jobs anyways. Uh, so I just thought, I'm I'm going to sell my condo. I'm going to quit the job. I'm going to save up money over the next few months. And I'm going to travel the world. And this is great to do while I'm young and energetic and can still carry a backpack. Um, so then I had this secret on my shoulders. I didn't tell anyone for months. I picked up two side jobs. I mean, both were jobs that I was interested in doing. Um, But I picked up two side jobs to get extra cash. And you have to imagine I was probably working like 60 to 80 hours at Microsoft and then two other jobs and then keeping up like a full fitness plan um, and a little bit of a social life. Um, So so I have been called the energizer bunny. Uh, But I, I am a very candid person. So I'm keeping a secret or adding another layer. And the thing that that I did during the day when I would get frustrated that I was in the position that I was in was I told myself because I had a private office that anytime I needed to I could take a five minute break and just do some travel planning because I as an engineer (laughs) created a whole notebook to plan for backpacking for a year um so that that was one of the things that also just carried me through that time um, and that was definitely an ends justify the means kind of time, you know, which was also difficult as I explained how I am. So that's a little bit of the, the mental state. But I, I remember too, I would leave work and I would go to the gym across the street. I would go to kickboxing and, and I'd punch it all out, right? But I, I would actually leave kickboxing pretty much feeling similar to when I went in. And I would go to yoga on some other days and I would leave yoga completely calm and relaxed and letting go of the traumas that I was feeling on a daily basis, which was a clue to me about how to get over trauma, how to get over, you know, mental attitudes that are not supportive. Um, And that, that's what really led into my inspiration too, of bringing yoga, not just the physical practice, but the concepts behind it to people in the future. It, and you, you know, I want I wanted to mention something, and it's it's it was really fascinating listening to that because when I was in college, I think I went the opposite of you. I started in engineering, and I ended up going to sociology because I I think I got the same the same feelings you got, but I think I got them a little earlier in life because I knew, like I took a social one hundred one class and a psych one hundred one class, and I'm like, I really like this. Like this is this has my attention. And then the engineering, of course, I was everybody's told a lot of people told go to college, engineering, you know, computers, do something that's technical and it's going to get you jobs and going to make you money. And it's like, hey, what about what's going to make me happy? And not a lot of people talk about that. And I'm glad you find you found yours. And and you and I'm glad you got to do the things you did. And just so people know this also, you are a dancer and a global dancer is that if i read correctly um kind of talk about you know what dancing means to you how you got into it what it does for you and basically every, what, what what do you like and what does dancing how does dancing make you feel yeah and i want to say something some things also to this effect of cuz we've been on this track of when you're misdirected and where you should be 
but also what success means and, and the world's understanding of how you can be successful, right? So I didn't study psychology because we didn't think I would be successful at it because I didn't have the talents in it. But I wrote, I was held back from my writing inabilities in school and I wrote a four-time award-winning best-selling book. So in um, in dance, there are these messages that came out because first of all, growing up, I remember in the dance studio, the dancers walking in and saying sometimes they were so poor, all they could eat were rice and beans. And so I'm thinking, oh, well, I don't want to be poor and I have the ability to go be an engineer, right? I don't need to be poor. So I don't want to be a dancer as my profession. Um, and that, that was just, just a, a different, um, perspective that those people didn't even know that there is a way to be financially successful in every single type of career. Um, and, and so if I had known that at a younger age, you know, that, that might've changed it. Right. Cause I already had the entrepreneurial spirit. Like I could have handled that. Um, but then the next thing is just the awareness that I wasn't as technically strong as other dancers. And my ballet teacher, freshman year, halfway through the year, halfway through class, in the middle of class one day, we were in this L-shaped room. She took me around the corner. I mean, you don't interrupt a ballet class to talk to a student one-to-one. She took me around the corner and told me that I would not amount to anything. I will tell you, um, I mean, at that time I decided, well, I'm not making dance my main career. You know, I was just dancing in college so I could dance because um, otherwise engineering will consume you. Uh, but I shortly after graduating was traveling in India and I was performing at the Miss South India pageant in front of thousands of people and nationally televised as a soloist and a lead front and center of the troupe. When I performed with dance troops, I was actually often told to do a little less when everyone's told to do a little more in terms of their expression. So my gift was lighting up on stage. Uh, it was bringing joy and bringing lots of energy. It wasn't necessarily the, the technical aspect. So I have been able to perform around the world in all different styles because of the joy that I express. Um, and so this is this is part of what does dance give to others? But for me to be given a microphone, because I, I was shushed a lot. I've been shushed a lot throughout my life. I mean, most people are, um, but I've always meant to be loud. So it was a little harder <laughs> for me to be shushed. And when you put me on stage, it's like giving me the microphone, you know, whether I'm, I'm dancing or singing or speaking or acting, right? I've done all of them. And, um, and, and then the, the bigger the audience, it's like the bigger my energy gets to be. So I feel compelled to share light and share energy. And there's a lot of it sitting here. Uh, so it's just wonderful. Like when you invite me onto your podcast and this is going out to the world and all the unlimited number of people that might be able to come listen for, for me to just look, transfer this energy out to people. It's kind of cool. I don't even have to go anywhere now to be able to share that energy. So in terms of the performance aspect, it is an opportunity, you know, while you might think, oh, this is all about me because I, I want to be 
on stage. I love being on stage, but it's because I get to give a lot more um, and expand, you know, my energy fully to just give even more, um, you know, whereas, you know, it's like we talk with kids about their inside voices and, you know, kids don't want to speak in an inside voice. Well, it's kind of like that for me all the time. <laughs> I mean, I love having one-to-one conversations with people and deep ones. Um, but a lot of the time I'm so excited to expand that energy. Now, dance as a practice, I mean, I still do both the technical training and more of like the fluid, fun, improvisational training. You know, so the technical training gives some structure, uh, you know, and, and, um, and of course the fitness level and then just the safety and alignment in my body to take good care of it. And the, the less structured dance is just a way to process emotions, to create understanding, to have fun, to get in connection between your mind, body and spirit. Um, it's just a huge joy to be able to move. And then I do partner dancing and I love connecting with other people. And so that satisfies that desire of also the sense of adventure, because if you're follow, um, you know, I typically just follow, um, you know, there's a lead and a follow, right? And today the men and women switch a lot. I don't, um, I've still stuck with following because I love the sense of adventure of who knows where he's going to guide me next. And I have to figure out how to get there. <laughs> it, and, you know, something I've mentioned, yeah, something I've mentioned on this show a lot in the past, at least on this season is, is my, my connection with energy nowadays and, and how I've kind of really gotten into a, a path of the mind body connection and, you know, feeding off of others energy, having them feed off of mine. And you talk about energy a lot. You, you, you work with people and you work with groups on, you know, instantaneously raising their energy, tapping into natural resources of energy, things like that. And that really attracts me right now because, and I think it attracts a lot of people because we're, we're living in a day and age where, you know, everything, everything is, is going wrong. The earth is on fire. Everything is terrible. And then you kind of look outside in the morning and like, Hey, the, the sun rose again. And I get another day to, to kind of release this energy and, and, you know, fill my cup up again and affect people in a positive way. So I want you to kind of talk about that mind body connection, the energy that you help people with. Like it seems to be, and, and I hate to assume, but it seems to be a real calling for you when it comes to, to energy. You've already said that people call you the energizer bunny and I understand that, but you know, I want you to kind of talk about what energy means to you and how you see it in other people. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And I want to comment on a couple things that you just said too, as we segue into that, because I love that we were just talking about movement uh, because movement helps move energy. It helps us tap into our energy. And I've created programs that are entirely movement programs, uh, you know, movement and dance base. And when they're not a movement program, I still bring in some movement, even if it's just to help us retain the the message and understanding of the key points, um, you know, of, of that. So actually there's this thing with, with energies. We focus on, on quant quantity and you shake your hands in these jazz hands and then quality, you, you move your hand across the front of your body in like a wave, like pattern, you know, like a ocean wave and then direction, you know, just point straight up, um, which, which explains those, those concepts. Um, but I, I also like you looking at the perspective, 
of of energy. Um, so I will we'll, I'll connect this with the quality, uh, quantity, and direction. You know, in a moment for you too, because it's this QQD thing that I talk about. Um, but you're talking about like you know looking outside and seeing oh it's a new day and it's sunny outside and it just makes me think of the. A charity event, Valentine's Soiree that I host. And last winter was the first time I'd, it just exponentially grew. And I, I didn't know yet, you know, or have the time to be as organized as I would like to be. So my event coordinator of the day would come to me, you know, and, and this isn't working and this isn't working and this isn't working. And she'd be freaking out. And every time she came, I would look around the room and I'd be like, everyone looks like they're having fun. Everyone's happy. I was like, we don't, we don't need to stress about this issue. Let's just figure out how to resolve it. Um, and that, that's that perspective is that sometimes we can actually think that everything is falling apart, that nothing is coming together, but maybe it's actually completely fine and it doesn't matter. Or it's oddly leading us in the direction that we might want to go. And when we talk about energy, we love talking about, you know, the sort of this woo-woo element of do you have good energy, do you have bad energy? I don't necessarily believe in good and bad, but what feels in alignment with who you are, what feels supportive, what feels good to other people, right? Um, and then and then there's how energetic are you? And you may hear, you may even say sometimes, I don't have energy. Well, that's not a true statement. So we go back to me having that engineering degree and everything, all matter is made of energy. We are made of energy. The energy is there, but it's kind of like uh, taking a remote control for your television and putting in your batteries and you put one battery in the wrong way. The energy's there. It's just not transmitting. So the, the question is, how do we access the energy that's there? We also often think there is a limited supply of energy, but I believe there is an unlimited supply of energy. I believe we naturally have all the energy that we need. There's a reason why I was called the Energizer Bunny. It was because I believed in figuring out how to shape my life around the way where I would be energetic, where I don't need to be dependent on something like coffee. I've also been trained in all of these exercises that just happen to give you more energy through all of the yoga and meditation practices. Um, but really what they're doing is that quantity, quality, and direction. And quantity, you can imagine that you want to hit the target uh, right in the center of the bullseye, right, of a target. And you want to hit it with as much impact as possible. Uh, you know, whether it's you want to enjoy life as much as possible, or if you're an entrepreneur and you want to have as much success as possible or change on other people's lives, whatever it might be. And, and you can use one tool to help you get there. That's like one arrow and you'll hit the target and you can make some impact. But there's this whole bucket of arrows next to you. There's so many tools that we can use, right? This podcast focuses on mental health. You've had a variety of mental health practitioners and uh, uh, opinions and wisdom coming on the show. And you could use just one of them, or you could use a few of them in, in synchronicity to, or just go into one really deeply, right? Either way, but we don't, if you go lightly, it's like one arrow. So you create more impact by using the tools more. 
And that is your, your quantity is just making sure you gather all of the potential that actually exists. You know, in a battery, uh, let's say in um, a remote control that needs four batteries and you only put one in, right? You, you might get some transmission, but that's not really going to get you far. You need to put more batteries in there in order for that full impact to happen. And the remote control to really talk to your TV. Now, the, the quality aspect is how were you able to actually hit the target? Now, that's where you're getting the training, the understanding, the experience of, okay, I'm going to hold my body in a certain way uh, where I know how to point and focus it right at the target. And then I know which muscles to use so I don't overuse, right? And and get into burnout as well. Uh, you know, use things that aren't supportive truly that make the arrow go backwards rather than forwards. Uh, so it's really, really helping that quality and your ability to be hitting that target. Um, and I want to relate quantity to a lot of these energizing exercises that I do. And then I want to relate quality to the term willingness. And this is also key when we look outside and we say it's a new day. It's sunny out. When I look at the room in my event and I see people having a great time and I'm like, I just want to make the experience amazing for them. And so I don't even want to get mad about what isn't going right because I want to keep the energy high and positive at this event. Um, but you could think of, you know, let's say you have a, a dinner party one evening and all of your friends come over and you're talking, you're laughing, you're having a great time and the dishes are piling up and you just leave them because you have to go to work early the next morning. And then, so you go to work and it's a stressful day, a horrible day, a long day. You come home, the dishes are still piled up. You're annoyed. Nobody in the house helped. And all you think you have energy for is to just plop on the couch and be lazy or done for the evening. Well, as is with many of us, our phone is right next to you because we're addicted to our phones, right? And it rings and it doesn't take much effort to answer it. And it happens to be your best friend from college who happens to be in town just that evening and has a free evening. And what happens? All of a sudden you get up off the couch, you go take a shower and you go have a wonderful night on the town. There was more willingness to go spend that time with your college best friend than necessarily to tackle that high pile of dishes. Um, but what if there was a different attitude around the dishes? I have a friend who looks at washing dishes as meditation. And he just loves, you know, that quiet time and that swirling around and, uh, you know, somebody loves getting things clean and you start to visualize like what, what does it look like when, when the space is clear of, of energy or maybe you're having a party that night and you're excited for that party to be happening that night. So you extra want it to be clean so that it's a, a really great presentation for everyone coming to that party. So that really the key here is to look for where you have the willingness. Look for what could be the purpose behind what you're doing. And if you can't find the willingness, then it's probably not what you should be doing. 
Uh, so then you start to create a new plan. You know, like I was secretly planning to travel around the world while I was still working at Microsoft. Um, I didn't have the willingness to continue to work there, um, but just enough to to give me enough time to get the preparations done, you know, for that next journey of my life and uh, smoothly transition. So that gave me enough willingness to kind of keep going, even though it didn't feel like the right thing anymore. Uh, now I want you to imagine um, when you are sad, Mark, what is the position of your body when you're tired? Uh, slouched over, you know, laying down, just not not in good posture. Yeah, it's down. So that direction is down. And when you're happy and excited, what's the positioning and direction of your body? Oh, you're, you're perked up. You're perked up. Up. It's definitely up. <laughs> yeah, it is up. It is high. And now I want you to combine QQD together with an example of how kids are. And you have kids. And some of the listeners either have kids, you've been around kids, you remember being a kid. Uh, it's summertime. You're playing, you're having tons of fun. The energy is up, right? And it feels like it's a lot of quantity of energy. And then, uh, you know, mom goes and she finds some popsicles for you because it's so hot. So you get to cool off, you get a treat, you know, you've all been behaving well. There's three kids and mom finds a red popsicle for the first kid. And she finds a red popsicle for the second kid. And then a green popsicle for the third kid. And what happens for that third kid? They are on the ground kicking and screaming and crying because they want a red popsicle just like the other kids. That's better for whatever reason. (laughs) I want a red popsicle. And mom keeps looking in the freezer and looking in the freezer. And lo and behold, she finds a red popsicle. And all of a sudden, that kid is up in the air again. Yay! I got a red popsicle. And I want you to note that when the kids were playing before the popsicles, the direction was up. When the kid does not get the red popsicle, the direction of energy is, because they're on the ground, direction is down. And then it goes back up when the kid gets the red popsicle. But what's the quantity of energy throughout that? The quantity is always high. Because really it takes changed. a lot. Yeah, it's high. It's never changed. Right. Because the tamper tantrum takes a lot of movement of energy to have that. So it's still a high quantity of energy. But the key is like the kid didn't feel very good. So we agree the direction we want is up. And the combination of the full QQD together is is what creates the impact. And the thing that I like to use the most, the the tool for the upwards direction, is the meditation practice that I do, uh, simply because it's set up to invite energy up. It's a very simple action that you can add to any style of meditation that you do. Um, When you go to sleep at night, Your eyes are actually looking down. When you're driving, when you're in your conscious mind, your eyes are looking forward. When you're elevating your energy, right? When you're going into thought and creativity, your eyes are looking up. So when you close your eyes, 
you just gaze slightly upward. So that's their direction there of that shifts the energy of the body. And the yogis like to call this the seat of highest consciousness right at the point between the eyebrows. But here's the thing. You don't have to go into all that woo-woo stuff. Scientists explore when people are using intuition, which part of the brain is stimulated. It's that part of the brain. So you can also think of it as awakening awareness. And what does more awareness give you? It gives you the solutions, right? The easy manifestation to everything that you want in life, which automatically feeds into feeling more energetic. So there's your QQD dance, quantity, quality, and direction. I I love it. I absolutely love it. And I'm going to say this too. I thought um, I was weird because I felt doing laundry and folding laundry was very uh, meditative for me. And I'm in a mindful state when I'm, when I, it's just something taking a bunch of things disorganized in a pile and making them organized and then putting them away makes my brain happy. And I thought I was always weird for that, but because I'm the one that does the laundry in the house and, and I don't mind it one bit. It's taking the warm clothes out of the dryer. First, that that's a great feeling. That's a great feeling, regardless of the season. And then putting them in <laughs> the pile the and yes. <laughs> it's just, it's great. Um, and I, I want to give you a chance to, to talk about your book. And, and I always love talking to authors for multiple reasons. The, the, the biggest one is the fact that I'm very envious of authors because I, I have like sat down to start writing a book for the longest time and it takes so much drive. It takes so much motivation. It takes so much discipline to be able to do that. And regardless of what the book is that you could, it could be about the types of pasta in the world and we could talk about it. I'd be like, man, that is amazing. That's great. But talk about healing happens and what that book means to you and and the genesis of the book. Why'd you write it? Why'd you put it together? So people know about this, this book. Yeah. Thank you so much for asking. Um, I love that awareness of how difficult it can be to motivate yourself to write a book. And when you're done, you walk into a bookstore and have great appreciation for the immense amount of, of energy and time and dedication it takes for each of those books. And Healing Happens, Stories of Healing Against All Odds, it includes my story. And I mentioned healing from an autoimmune disorder beyond what was expected. Um, but, you know, I get this diagnosis of Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism and I'm young and I shouldn't really have those things when I'm young, but I'm having fatigue and my hair falling out and my muscles turning to fat and getting weaker than my students. And I'm just told, okay, here's some medicine. You're on it for life. Like that's it. So I'm like, okay, I guess I'm stuck with this like an arranged marriage. So let me just figure out how to work best with this. And in the process of that, I had no clue that I would sort of get this nickname of going from medication to meditation. You know, the doctors are tapering me off the medicine as I'm meditating more. Um, I had no clue anything would change from the, the status. But the first thing was really just learning to live with it and learning about it. Um, but that automatically propelled a lot of healing for myself. And you might know this, you notice this when you're going to buy a new car and you're going to go 
by, you know, like a, a red BMW, a blue Honda CRV, and all you can see everywhere, you know, is that car and that color because the brain, the reticular activating system starts to pay attention to what you're paying attention to and seeing it around you. So then I'm running into more and more stories of people healing beyond what is expected. And they had more extreme stories than mine. I mean, at one point I was wondering if I was going to die because I was getting sicker rather than better. So I just was like, is this just going to keep deteriorating? But I wasn't going to die. I was just going to be uncomfortable. Um, But other people are given an actual terminal diagnosis in a few months or a few hours, yet things turned around for them. I'm meeting them years later when they're fully healthy, fully functioning and sharing the gifts of what they feel helped them. And I just thought, all right, if this is this common, we need to put all of the stories in one book. So I interviewed all these different types of health and healing experts because I also wanted to show how there's a different path for everyone, but also what's in common among all of the paths of healing. Uh, So we have these stories, we have over 20 diseases addressed, but these techniques are things that anyone can do in a minute or two. And people are finding this quick upliftment and energy and joy from doing it. Like anyone can read this book if they just want to feel healthier and happier and more energetic. Um, and, And what I did was I actually picked the top four success strategies and call those full body success mastery. And this is where the book expands its its potential. These are stories of people overcoming seemingly insurmountable challenges. And how many different areas of life do we have challenges? And have you ever noticed the success strategies you use in one area of life, you use in another area of life? So I've just been relating this full body success mastery strategies to other areas of life, which opens the door for me to speak for entrepreneurs and for businesses. Um, so this, this book that was, you know, niched in a very specific direction has really opened up a lot of doors and a lot of wisdom for people to be taking in this information from various angles. And I really, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to reading this book and, and taking, um, just taking a lot of notes and, and learning from others. And you're absolutely correct about using, the human brain is funny, the human psyche is funny. Once we figure out what works, a lot of times we're going to do it over and over again to, to at least see if that works also. And, and I really appreciated this conversation, and, and I'm going to direct everyone to all your social medias, your Instagram, your LinkedIn, and to buy the book. But there's something... I want you to, to speak about before before I let you go, because I think it's something that a lot of people don't really um, understand or talk about. And I'm going to circle back to some of the things we talked about at the beginning of the, the show. And that was the leadership that you had been involved in, leadership that you, the proper leadership you may not have had. And I think leadership and management is one of those things. Cause I've worked in it a, a bunch of years. And one of those things that just because you're good at something, people just throw you into a position where you have to help others be good at the same thing. Regardless if you're a good leader, regardless if you're a good timekeeper, regardless if you're good at prioritizing, regardless of anything, anything like that. But they, they say, hey, you're good at this, so go teach others how to be good at it. And then we kind of have leaders that aren't, that don't serve. We have leaders that don't listen. We have leaders that aren't empathetic. In the work that you do and the 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 kind of the the energy guide that you are, 
any leaders listening right here, especially any new leaders, like what just words of wisdom, what things can you tell that leader just to propel them into the correct space so they can be that, that energetic, compassionate leader that really helps others, other people become successful? Ha, thank you so much for asking that. And a lot of it is going to come down to listening and watching. Um, recently, I heard someone mention that if your team is underperforming, in a way, it's your fault. You know, if you feel compelled to fire somebody, it's because you haven't taken the time to help them grow, to help them understand. Now, that doesn't have to be the case, you know, 100%. And of course, we have certain limitations as to how patient we're going to be um, when we have given proper guidance. But I feel, you know, when you see the underperformance is to step back and, and watch and really pay attention to how you're interacting with them to say, is there another way that I can empower this person to see the gift inside themselves and access it? A lot of times when people are underperforming, it's simply because they didn't know they were capable and they didn't get the right tools for who they are. So, you know, take that time too to learn the different ways of learning and thinking and relating. There's tons of different, this is where psychology comes in, but there's tons of different types of personality assessments out there. Uh, you know, DISC is a popular one in businesses, but there's one called Bank Code that you can consider. Um, there's the five love languages, and you can go deeper with things like human design, astrology, and even Ayurveda, you know, on, on kind of these more Eastern sides. So any one of these things, I've sort of studied all of them. So they've given me a more well-rounded, you know, way of, of understanding people and figuring out how to support them. Um, but some things are as simple too as asking somebody, do you see how you can be great when actually you need to say to them, can you feel how you can be great? Or can you hear, you know, the, your future words uh, when, you're, when you're going to reach that excellence? Uh, so sometimes it's just as simple as what sensory is the top sensory that people perceive off of. And all you need to do is listen and watch them, but hear the words that they use, uh, watch the expressions, and then watch how they respond. Hey, I'm to sorry you. to cut you off. Yeah, all you need to do is listen. I thought that was funny because a lot of people, that's, that's the thing they're the worst at sometimes is listening. But I apologize. Go on. Oh, yeah. No, it's just, I was brought into an office and I was told how much I sucked, literally. Um, instead of brought into an office and told how great I could be. If I follow these techniques. And I love the fact that you use the word empower. Because that's such a, that's in itself is such an, a powerful word. And, and I think that's, if we had to boil down leadership, management, whatever you want to call it to one word, a lot of times it's, it's empowering. And it's, in, it's letting people know that the job you have is to help them succeed and gain control of their success. 
So I think that's amazing. So, um, and really just, just great information from you. Keep doing what you're doing. I, I see it sounds cliche, but I love your energy. <laughs> I appreciate your energy. I appreciate all the things that you're doing, but if people want to follow you, um, I'm going to have some links to your social media, but where, where are some places that people can follow you online? Yeah, uh, you could definitely follow me on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Uh, just look up my name, Avital Miller. Avital is spelt like A Vital, A V for Victory, I T for Talented, A L. Uh, you know, of course, my main website is avitalmiller.com. And uh, if you go to free gift from avital.com, you can get a first chapter of my book. Healing happens. It's technically the second chapter, but it's the first interview. Um, and then you can get a couple other free gifts there as well and connect through that. Thank you so much, Avital. It's been amazing. You take care of yourself, keep doing what you're doing, and hopefully our paths cross again. Thank you. A huge thank you to our guest this week, Miss Avital Miller. Go check out her website and read her book. A lot of good things about leadership, mentorship, coaching, and the energy we put out in the world. As always, Relatively Normal is written, produced, and edited by me, Mark Paisant. And if you or anyone you know is in crisis, please contact the Mental Health Hotline by dialing 988 988- On any phone.